Hey there, welcome to the Album Adventure Show with Wally and Shanaz. My name is Shanaz and it's my honour to be here with my long-time friend, colleague, Aaron Wally Wallace, and we're going to talk about some music that we really, really like. Now, Wally, could you please give everyone the spiel that we do at the start of each episode about what the heck it is we're doing on this show, please? No worries, Schnaz. Yes, we came up with the idea. We've always sort of thought about doing a podcast together, and we had an idea while I was driving home one day about, hey, why don't we pick some of our favourite albums that maybe the other person has never listened to right through and sort of have a bit of a listen through it and give our opinions on it. So and this one is, uh, we've done, this is our fourth episode now, I mm. think. So this is uh, Back to You, and why don't you tell everybody which great record we're going to run through today it's my pleasure it's quite a timely record because this band has been honored in the past week for a bunch of things they do uh, away from the limelight uh john bon jovi has been honored in the music cares category which is an annual award that musicians get for things they do away for charity and that kind of thing it's also the 40th year of john bon jovi's band's existence and there's a some sort of streaming documentary coming out in april which is going to be red hot four-part tell-all series it is the album new jersey by the great american rock band bon jovi it's their fourth album it came out in later 1988 uh produced by bruce fairburn who was uh, quite a well-known hard rock producer of the time and recorded at Little Mountain Studios in British Columbia, Canada, which is, if it's not Bruce Fairburn's studio, it's one that he frequented a lot. Uh, a lot of albums of this genre of this time were made there. It was the follow-up to their blockbuster Slippery When Wet album, which just went gangbusters. It made them a household name. It was That was their third album, their fourth album. They didn't take long, Wally, to follow it up. They basically toured the world on Slippery When Wet for a couple of years, had three to four weeks off, and then just started writing again and recording for New Jersey. And John Bon Jovi quoted uh, in a lot of sources saying that they wanted to get back into it really quick so they weren't seen as a flash-in-the-pan, one-hit-wonder kind of band. Now, Wally, this is going to surprise you, I think. I don't think I've told you this story, but yours truly, the great judge that I am, in life. I'm such a great judge <laughs> at things. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. But I declared to anyone who would listen, early high school at the time, I think it was, end of primary, whatever it was. End of primary, I think. Yeah. That Bon Jovi were a one hit wonder band that you would like, like, <laughs> like that was it. No. That was it. You know, like, okay, Living on a Prayer is a great song. And that's it. And of course, I've never been more wrong in my life. <laughs> and the, the, what I based it on, though, at the time, from memory, if you recall, was the band Europe and their amazing song, The Final Countdown. Now, yeah. they weren't a one-hit wonder band, but that was their biggest hit and kind of their only hit. It's their only song that everybody knows. Yeah, you know, they were around a long time, but yeah. So yeah. I just thought, oh, another hair band, here we go. And I had nothing to back this up. There was no internet for me to do research. <laughs> I was young, I was naive, I was stupid, and I'm really glad that I was wrong on a number of levels because I've come to enjoy this band a lot. For Slippery When Wet, I liked the singles, but I was never really all in. It was this album that got me into it, which is why we're going to talk about it because it's a very, very personal record for me. I just love this record so much. Uh, a little bit of more intel for you. It reached... 
number one in pretty much every country you can think of, and it stayed there for a long time, definitely in Australia, New Zealand, Sweden, UK, US, and everywhere else it was just pretty high up, as you can imagine. It had... How many singles did it have? Well, let me look at this. I think it's got five five singles. Five singles. And and I think our listeners would probably know a lot of them. And we'll get to that, obviously. Wally, how did you get into Bon Jovi? Everyone our age has pretty much got into Bon Jovi with Slippery When Wet. I think, like you say, it was impossible to to not have heard their songs when that came out. I had Slippery When Wet on cassette. Wow. And I got listened to quite a lot. I think like you... The singles on it are really good. A couple of the other songs were a bit, eh, they're okay. Like you listen to it the first few times. And then this was, I was happy that you picked this because I've never listened to this album at all. I obviously heard most of the singles on it. I don't think I'd heard the fifth single before, which we'll get to, but I probably had heard it, but you forget. But yeah, I'd never listened to New Jersey all the way through. So it was a, a new experience for me and we'll get to it at the end. But yes, it was a very enjoyable experience for me. Let's start with the first track and it's a it's a blockbuster and it's a it's a interesting way to start the album we might just let the great man start it himself with the great quote they say to be able to free your body you got to free your mind so come on check this out All right, Wally. Now, I know you're a man that likes to just get to things. You, you don't fuss about. And <laughs> I've got a feeling that intro wasn't the way you would have produced the album. Why don't you tell me about the intro to start with for Lay Your Hands On Me? Yeah, I, I don't know that I would have opened the album like that. It's, I mean, it's very 1980s. It's over the top. The drum, I guess it's sort of like a drum solo with the... Uh, mm-hmm. Everyone like the hey yelling. It's, <laughs> it's maybe a little bit over the top uh, to kick off the album. And I've got to admit that I obviously knew what the song was. I've heard "Lay Your Hands on Me" before, but when the, normally when you hear it on the radio, you don't get any of that intro. Mm. It just comes in at the organ when mm. it starts on the "Lay That's Your Hands right. on Me." That's right. And, you know, so, so it comes. And I'm like, what? What is going on? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> anyway, it's ninety seconds. If you push through the ninety seconds, you get the bit of the song you've heard, and you you quickly forget the uh, over the top intro. Now, there's a lot on this album. I'm going to defend, and this will be something I'm going to defend. <laughs> is think about it from a concert point of view, right? And and there is, I think, the video. There might be two versions of the video. There's definitely one with the intro, though. And if you're in that crowd waiting for them to come on, the lights go down and Tico Torres and the drums and you hear the drums, you're doing the yeah. And then as we know, on this tour at least, John would rise up on a riser from below the stage right when it kicks in and and he kicks up, jumps up in the air. (laughs) Like it's amazing theatre. So I like it from that point of view. Uh, And I, I think it's also them trying to say, you know, hey, Shanaz, we're more than a one year wonder. Like, we can play music, you know, and they are all amazing musicians, which is not something you get when you watch 
Living on a Prayer, the video, for three and a half minutes. You're just like, oh, it's a great song, catchy, they look good. You don't really go, wow, great musicians. But they're really great musicians. So I think there's a little bit of that as well. And it's probably that other thing, well, where you get so big, like they were the biggest band in the world probably for a time before they recorded this, they probably thought, well, we can do whatever we want. You can get to that stage when you're too big for people to tell you not to. I did read somewhere uh, in the research for for doing this that it, apparently this song was written on the spot when the video production team said, hey, come up with something unique and energetic to open up your show. Oh, okay. And they came up with this, this was the song. So what you say about the, mm. the seeing it live and whatnot, and I we have seen him twice live. I'm not sure that he opened the show with this either time. But No, we'll get to that later, but we, I don't think he did. On that tour, yeah, I – I absolutely take your point that, yeah, if you're in the crowd waiting and then those drums start and whatnot, you're like, oh, I like this song, yeah, something, yeah, yeah. Album, blah, 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 here we go. Yeah. I absolutely dig your vibe, but, yeah, just in terms of a <laughs> – From a listening what are we now? What, what, what are we now, 80, 90, 2000, like nearly 40 years later, Yeah. 35 years later, so, yeah, this is uh, – it certainly grounds the album in the late 80s, I think. You can say that. You can't hear that intro and think, mm, this album came out in 2010. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. What do you think about the song itself? I really like the song. It's a, it was a single for a reason. I think it was the fourth single off the album. Um, I like the organ and the gospel choir and the bridge. Mm. That's really cool. Mm. Like every Bon Jovi hit, it's got the great hook. You can hear the song once and be singing along. I'll, there's one of them later in the album that I'll it's been stuck in my head for three weeks, so mm. we'll get to that. But if you line up, uh, here's a list of great Bon Jovi songs. This would be in the list somewhere towards the top and really enjoyable. Like I say, just catchy. It's got the whoa chant at the end of yeah, it. The, yeah. It's what, what's, not, what's not to like? I do like that in uh, one of the verses, it might be the second verse, he says, I'm a fighter, I'm a poet, I'm a preacher. I've been to school, I've been a teacher. If you show me how to get up off the ground, I'll show you how to fly and never come back down. A lot of that underdog stuff that he really sells himself on, uh, a little bit of the Springsteen stuff, which we might get into later, where he's the working class man from New Jersey, which to be fair, they were like they're from just a regular part of New Jersey, nothing fancy. And for two albums, they kind of struggled. I mean, they were popular in their genre, but they weren't, they weren't really doing incredible. The first single was, did really well, Runaway, but after that, it wasn't really limos and everything for them and, and jet planes they they did struggle for a while so I, I like that he he's already kind of reminding you that he's not he may be living in a mansion now but he's still that guy from jersey and there's a strong theme of that in this album obviously the title and throughout his career yeah. like even now he probably still fights it a little bit but uh yeah that was an interesting one it's it's knowing your base too, isn't it? Like this yes. is the. I mean, it's not it's not music for intellectuals. Let's be honest. It's well. rock, air metal. Well, it's it's definitely playing to a very specific demographic, and in America, that demographic is probably someone driving a Chevy mm. with his family. Mm. I don't I don't want to go all uh, kid rock about going out to the lake. I will <laughs> I will dispute that this is just hair metal and heavy or whatever you said, hard rock. Like I think. There are territories they're trying to break, which we'll get into on a few songs. But I know what you're saying. Generally, if you had to put this yeah. in a genre, it would be in that genre. It's just the Bon, the bon Jovi vibe, yeah? That's the... It is. This is if you, if you say Bon Jovi and you put this song on, this sounds like Bon Jovi. It does. Let's move on to track two. A very well-known song, a single, 
and a song called Bad Medicine. All right, well, that was Bad Medicine. That was written by John Bon Jovi, Richie Sambora, and Desmond Child. Now, there are some co-writers on here that are not in the band, which I think is significant. I'm guessing they just wanted to kind of perfect what they were doing, and they really do with some of these songs. So this is a Desmond Child co-write. Desmond uh, is very well known in the songwriting world, one of the sort of big three of that time absolute schoolionaire for all the songs written. I'm going to tell you while straight off, this is going to shock you, shock some of our listeners. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of this song. In fact, I'm not even, I'm not even much of a fan of this song. I'm not saying it's bad, but I have no connection to this song. Having not heard the album before, this is obviously one of the ones that you clearly know. It's been yes. overplayed on classic rock uh, radio here in Australia for, very long time. Mm-hmm. Overplayed. Definitely overplayed. And I'm with you. I don't think it's in my top four songs on the album. I think there's probably four songs I like more than it. Mm. It's uh, I'd written a note somewhere, it's down further, that this is a great album for listening to in the car. Mm-hmm. And she can cruise along, have it blaring. It's that real, I guess, anthem, stadium rock. Yeah. Is that fair enough yeah. that you could call this stadium rock? And, yeah, this is a good song. It's very Bon Jovi. Clearly was written as the first single. You can tell it was that this is a, hey, this is going to be the single for the album. Um, again, I read this one. I think Richie Sambora, they were making a commercial for film or something, and they were standing in water up to their up to their waist, were freezing, standing on the rocks, and he was thinking about some relationship he was having, and he got the, he sort of thought of it that it was bad medicine in his head, and he, apparently he went over to, to John and said, hey, I've got this idea for a song. It's just words, bad medicine. And, and he went, whoa, remember that? That's going to be a song. <laughs> so that was the <laughs> that was where it came from. Now, that, those two, Richie Sambora and John Mojovi, have a very strong working relationship up until – I mean, he's left a few times. He's not in the band right now. But in this period, like, Richie is pivotal to what they're doing. Like, they, they're a proper five-piece band. Everyone plays their role. But Richie and John really – Vocally, songwriting-wise, guitar parts-wise, they play such an integral part into the whole picture. But yeah, that's that's important to note while I think... I'm just looking at some of the lyrics here, and it's a very fun song, very upbeat. It's a party song. It's a... You know, I think if we were out partying in 1988, this would be on the stereo, right? I need a respirator because yeah. I'm running out of breath for you on a, an all-night <laughs> generator wrapped in stockings and a dress. When you find your medicine, you take what you can get. If there's something better, baby, well, they haven't found it yet. It's pop music, I get it, uh, but I, I just, yeah. I personally, I mean, and and I'll, I will let you know when I connect with a song. Believe me, you'll be, there'll be a whole podcast <laughs> extra dedicated to one song on this album. But good, good pop 
rock song did what it had to do. The video is cool. I think the video is the one where they they hand out handheld cameras for the audience. So a lot of the yep. footage is from the from the crowd, and it's fun. It's absolutely fun. I don't always skip it when it comes on, but I certainly like. I might have a bit of a boogie, a bit of a air guitar. But I don't just sit there and go, oh, man, this is an absolute classic. Car music, Schnauz. That's the background rock. I think it's a – and you got the chorus. Say, hey, bad medicine, bad medicines. What I need. What's the rest of it say? I don't know. Whoa. <laughs> now, I'm not I, – I would never dispute with someone who loves this. I'm sure there's millions of people who love this song. It's probably their favorite song on the album. I'm, I would never say to you, obviously, that you're wrong because you're not wrong at your experience. But also, yeah, I wouldn't kind of go, oh. That's weird. I understand it completely. Next up, we have, I think, a Bon Jovi classic. My heart beats like a drum. <laughs> <laughs> that was born to me, my baby. Well, what what are you thinking? I had heard this song before, but definitely not on the radio as much here as some other Bon Jovi songs. When I got to this, now this is very clearly living on a prayer too. There's no doubt about that. I don't know if it's about the same Tommy and Gina, but it probably is. It's the very same vibe. I'm going to do a hot take. This song is better than Living on a Prayer. Hey. I think. I know that's a silly thing to say. It sounds like it's silly, and maybe it's a we've heard Living on a Prayer I don't, too many times. I don't think it's silly. I, I know what you're saying. I don't know if you'd win it in a court of law, but I know what you're saying. I, I'm not going to go, you're wrong. Maybe it's as good as Living on a Prayer, mm. and because I haven't heard it as much, I enjoyed hearing it more. Yeah. I don't know. It's very, as I say, it's the same vibe. It's the very similar storyline. It's got the same talk box guitar. I don't know. It's just the chorus, something about it. And the na-na-na-na. We worked all day. Both got jobs. There's bills to pay. We got something they can't take away. Our love, our lives. Like it's same storyline. Yeah. And again, appealing to that working class. You're leading into the working class again. Yeah. 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 Definitely. But every time I go through the album and get to this, this was the real, the one I found myself really bopping along to and- Mm. Yeah, it's it's just a it's just a great song. I think I sent you a message when we were talking about recording. I should have Schnaz, Born to Be My Baby is a great song. It's a great it really song. is. Uh, I, I read that it was originally meant to be a country kind of song. I don't know what that means exactly. Maybe just some sort of, I don't know if that means an upbeat country song or not. Absolute instant classic from the count into the end. It's upbeat, tells a good story. It's sort of your classic rock formula with verse chorus verse chorus etc and for me it's the performances like it's just well played and well sung like he means every word and you believe every word i remember the first time we saw them well and we'll talk about that later on but they played this and i was going off my tree like i just i I, (laughs) one of my favorites definitely so i was really looking forward to it i would play this as one of the main songs 
again, we'll talk about that later on. But if someone said to me, who's Bon Jovi? I, I would go to this easily and say, I'm comfortable playing you this song and saying this is who they are. I mean, there's a few different styles of Bon Jovi, right? Like there's the, the party songs. There's these serious yeah. kind of, I'll say mid-tempo, but it's more upbeat than mid-tempo. And then there's the ballads. Like it's kind of, if you had to pigeonhole them, and I know they'd hate that to hear that, but if you had to, that's their three styles. And this one sits right in the middle. He never steers away from those characters, which is smart as well as, it's it's smart. It's a smart thing to do as a songwriter, to go back to what works. A returning characters in a song is a... Mm, I love it. Many artists do that. There wouldn't be many artists no. that have returning... No, there's not. No. There's not. I mean, it's been done, but no. It's not bold, but it's like, I'm sure there's someone in a big office who would have said to them, uh, you've done this before. I don't know if you should do it again. Like someone would have gone, I don't think so. Then John would have gone, well, I'm John Bon Jovi. I can do whatever the hell I want. <laughs> Let's move on to track four, getting into battle territory here. This is Living in Sin. All right, Wally, that was Living in Sin, Bon Jovi, track four, New Jersey album. Uh, another single, definitely in the ballad territory. John kind of rebelling again. This time he's rebelling against the parents on both sides of a relationship. Mm -hmm. He's rebelling against maybe a religion or maybe against at least the idea of marriage. It's uh, it's an interesting one. I think it does date this song a little bit as a song i'm i'm quite a fan of it i like the musicianship i, I some of the lyrics are a little hokey for me i can't relate <laughs> to them in a lot of ways but but I, I remember as a kid i quite liked it there's that feeling of angst and rebellion and and not giving in to what your parents say and that kind of stuff so he kind of ticks all those boxes what are your thoughts on this song spoiler alert there's two songs on this album that i really don't like um, this isn't one of those. It's mm. a it's a it's a good song. It's a ballad. It's definitely the take a breath mm. song on the album of like we've had bang 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 rock anthem. Relax, let's have a ballad. And like you say, the lyrics are they're definitely dated now. Maybe not in the south of the US, but yeah. it's it's quite quite dated. And I did read again, reading through trying to find out what I could about these songs. Apparently, that John wrote this song. He was secretly engaged to his high school sweetheart. Dorothea yeah. Hurley. Yeah. I'm not sure still, who Dorothea Hurley is. She's, but she's the love of his life. Still, still rocking strong. Still there. Yeah. Wow. Still, still together. Yeah. So uh, apparently, yeah, he wrote this song about her. So oh, okay. obviously, very personal song for him. Some ballads are really good. Some ballads are eh, okay. This is sort of in the middle. I'll, of the I'll tell you what kind of makes it better is the video. It's very much a storytelling video with actors in it. I think they appear every now and then, Bon Jovi, but it's very much. I can't quite remember the scenario but it's it's the 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 young couple trying you know being intimate also all that sort of stuff and then 
I think the parents find them in a motel room. I may be wrong there, but something like that. And then the end, the end is not a happy ending. It's like they get dragged away. Oh! But if you think of wow. of of you know, Janie's got a gun, which is around this time, and all those sort of big ballads that you and I could never relate to. This is one of those. Like it's an MTV video ballad, and I think I've spoken about this with you before. I'm not sure if on air, definitely off about this time in rock music, like late 80s, very early 90s, was all about the social causes, social justice kind of songs, but not things like today yeah. where you're singing about like Indigenous rights or or the rights of gay marriage or whatever you want to put, justice you want to put forward, which you and I probably think, oh, yeah, people should be singing about that because someone needs to stick up for them. This is like I want to have – premarital sex this is what this song's about basically right <laughs> and then that's big for rock stars and, it's a big issue for rock star and then <laughs> and then aerosmith janie's got a gun i mean that covers a whole lot of subjects in that but it's like what is it child abuse domestic abuse it's guns violence murder i i often mention a song which not a whole lot of people know i don't think but 18 in life by skid row which is around this time and it's all about this kid who goes to jail for something he did and he's got 18 in life. And so there's all these songs yeah. around this time. Motley Crue, I'm sure, did everyone did one, like a social justice yeah. kind of one. But it's all sort of seedy kind of subjects. And I'm not saying this is seedy, but this is all about the Catholic religion. It's like, well, brother, I'm not Catholic. I can't really. <laughs> I guess we're not that far removed, though, from – Really, like late 50s, early 60s, like this was this age group of musicians coming through, like they'd still remember that. Yeah. And obviously it was still a thing then of like this is a, oh, you're being promiscuous, so you have to get married or whatnot. And it's like, yeah, something like people that listen to this, people that listen to the lyrics these days, like, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> I'm not making light of it for anyone listening. It's more, A, I can't relate, and B, I am fascinated by songs like this, and I'm sure I've talk to you about while i've talked about a lot of people these songs in this period where it's like okay we've got like the party song we've got the hard rock song we've got to do the one about the guy in jail who's never getting out or <laughs> or the one about being held down by the catholic faith have relations with my girl but i can't you know so but i think it's a good song like aside from all that i think it's a really good song uh, and I, I don't usually skip this one i don't skip many on this album i have to point out and we'll talk yeah. about the ones that we do but uh, yeah, living in sin. Now it's time for one of the greatest songs you're ever going to hear in your life. This is <laughs> Blood on Blood. Yeah! Now Bobby's in the town lawyer And Teddy's a medicine man Well, me, I'm just for sale In the long year I can open
All right, well, that was one of my favorite songs by anyone. That's a song called Blood on Blood. I know I've lectured to you about this song before we've walked into the two shows we've seen. (laughs) I better play it. (laughs) This is Blood on Blood. That was Blood on Blood. Uh, I just, let's get into it. What are your thoughts on Blood on Blood? Well, even if you hadn't told me this was your favorite Bon Jovi song, Schnauz, as soon as it comes on, this is definitely a Schnauz song. (laughs) There's a couple of Bon Jovi does uh, songs on this album. This is Bon Jovi does Bruce Springsteen, Mm -hmm. and I can't be uh, swayed from that. Yeah belief that it sounds like a bruce springsteen song i don't know if bruce has covered it but he could and it wouldn't sound out of place i don't think so on that subject while let's take that subject briefly and go into another subject which i know we're both going to agree on right to my knowledge he hasn't covered it they are good friends uh bruce was a mentor to him at some point now they're just good Mm -hmm. friends both from the same area and i know that john was very inspired by him so that's a Mm no-brainer Yep. The reason I'm going to say he didn't cover this song, or a reason why he wouldn't, was for this verse. And I don't want this verse to throw people off who haven't heard the song to not listen to it. You have to listen to this song. But there's a verse that goes, Danny, who's one of the guys in the song, in the song, one of the characters, Danny knew this yep. white trash girl. We each threw in a 10. She took us to this cheap <laughs> motel and turned us into men. Now that's your nitpick, right? Is that your nitpick? That's the biggest nitpick. I was going to say, there's a few nitpicks. The, the lyrics, especially the verse lyrics of this song, are too much for you. I don't know if they're dated. They're, they're hokey. Yeah. Like there's, there's definitely, you could definitely, like, I understand it's inspired about his own friends, and I think it's probably. Well, well you know what it's also inspired by? One of the greatest films of uh, all time, Stand By Me. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, well, that that makes sense. But there's a few. That's the worst lyric of the took us to the hotel, made us into men. They're stealing the cigarettes and taking the rap for me. That's, <laughs> just, <laughs> that's not so bad. I think if you'd grown up with this song and heard it from when you were young, it'd just be like, hey, I love this lyric. Yeah. Now, I've obviously have heard this song before, but just actually really listening to the lyrics, it was a couple of times, if you listen to it, they are, they're funny. And it's like, we talk a lot about, we've talked a lot about songs being unintentionally funny yeah. or taking themselves a little bit too seriously. There's a few bands that will have to do one of those albums with a band that takes themselves too seriously at some stage. I don't know if he's taking himself too seriously, but you could definitely spin it that way. And I really like the song. It's got the good chorus. It's got a great guitar solo. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a, it's a good song. Richie's it's a really good it, yeah. song. When you say taking itself too seriously, I think the word... I would use it's very earnest. Yeah. If he told Bon Jovi, hey, that song's really funny, I think he'd be very offended <laughs> if he told him it, it sounded funny. Yeah. But it's definitely, like, it's not funny to the point of, oh, this is so stupid, I can't listen to it. No, 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 no. It's just, yeah, if, you, I mean, if you're bopping along, singing it and singing the blood on blood, one on one. If you haven't gotten it by now, it's a song about friendship, particularly, I guess, preteen, teen years and uh, there's a bunch of characters in the song who he's singing about. The tip of the mountain is after the solo. And he says, Bobby's an uptown lawyer. Danny's a medicine man. Me, I'm just a singer in a long-haired rock and roll band. And, like, that's just amazing. But also, if you see them live, when they do it live, there's lots of live, great live versions. It gets very theatrical and dramatic. He stops the song. He sings that. Everyone cheers. The lights go down. Then Richie comes over and they do this thing where they – they do a call and response and it kind of culminates in them going like we were brothers, you know, it's very, yeah, I guess it's almost very blokey in an Australian term, 
I'm sure girls can relate to it, but it's a very blokey song. Uh, I love it, man. I, I the only fault is for me is that <laughs> is that lyric, and he's got one in a song called "Never Say Goodbye" off the previous album, uh, and it's about a girl losing her virginity in the back seat of his car, and it's like a really <laughs> rubbish line, but yeah, it's, that's that's just what he did. He went with it. It doesn't wreck it for me at all. This song, like I still give this song a ten, even though. If I really had to judge it, I'd go, well, it's a nine and a half because that verse is a bit on the nose. Yeah. Uh, great live song. Seek it out. Uh, and I think, yeah, Richie's part in this is integral because the solo, he does a lot of the vocals as well. Great sing- great singing, really well. Like on the album, the singing of it. Yeah, it's a hard brilliant. one too. Like you watch and- it live, and we'll talk about that later on as well, but you watch him in the peak. Like yeah. I was watching a bunch of shows from 89, and there is a lot of stuff out there you should, if you're interested, check it out. But even this song in his prime was like a difficult one. Like he nails it, but it's a difficult one. Yeah. Uh, let's get on to <laughs> got the giggles. Do we have to? Let's Do we have to? <laughs> <laughs> let's go on the homebound train, everyone. All right, well, so before we hit record, you said to me, there was two songs that you don't like and one in particular. And I said, yep, I'm with you. And we didn't even talk about what it was, but we know it's the same songs. This is Homebound Train. Uh, I think if you were to split up the album, I haven't done my research that much on this, but if you split up the album, this might be the start of of side two. It's not a great song. I'm just going to let everyone know. It's To me, it's almost like early Bon Jovi trying to fit into a box, trying to impress their peers. Homebound Train, it sounds like a Springsteen song lyrically in that title. Uh, sounds like a Tom Waits song maybe, but it's nothing like that. And I really don't care for this song at all. What are your thoughts? This is the, You go through this album, you get to this. This is the first song on the album I didn't like. And on further listenings, I, I don't want to say that. This song's crap. <laughs> it really is. It's, I, I said there's a few. That's big coming from someone that listens to Weezer. Anyway, there's, there's a few. Like I said, Bon Jovi does someone. This is kind of like Bon Jovi does the Red Hot Chili Peppers or something. I don't know. That's got that funky bass line. It's just his voice. Is, it's very you know, upbeat. It's very of a time. You know, I said Bad Medicine's a party song, but it's like a classic party song. If you put that on a party, yeah. everyone's going to bop out yeah. and love it, you know, open drinks. And if you put, if this, put this on, everyone's like, this what, on a party, ever, what are you doing? Yeah, party's over. <laughs> like it's, but it's trying to be a party song is what I'm trying to say. Like it's, I think, I think they were just pushing it a bit too hard and, and you could definitely take this off the record. Like they probably should have. Now we could talk to. Yeah. Bigger fans than you and I, and they're, and they're a very popular band, as you know. Yeah. Like, but people who love this band love this band. Like, I really like this band. I would say I love them, but there are people that yeah. love them, love them, and they'd probably talk us out of town and go, what the hell are you talking about? This is the reason why. But for you and me listening to this, yeah, yeah it didn't do much for us at all. Yeah, it's not one for me, Shaz. And we've talked about – you've showed me a, a funny video on a few occasions, and it's the – First two listens through, the second time, this just came into my head and it wouldn't go away, is that video of Metallica when Lars Ulrich <laughs> plays the song to his dad yeah. and he says, what do you think about this? And his dad goes, delete that. <laughs> and that's what I just kept thinking every time I heard this song. Uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see what they thought about it now. I mean, maybe 
maybe they would see where we're coming from. Maybe they'd laugh us out of the room. I'm not sure. But um, we're going to move on to, I think, a really underrated song. This is Wild as the Wind. All right, that was Wild Is The Wind by Bon Jovi on the New Jersey album, which we're here talking about on the Album Adventure Show with Wally and Shanaz. Wally, this is one of the more underrated songs of their career. Uh, It starts out with some beautiful, I don't know how to say it, like almost cowboy-type movie flamenco guitar or something, and it comes into this sort of half-beat, which Tico Torres is playing, and it leads you into this phenomenal arena chorus it's a mid-tempo song yep. uh really great melodies and nice storyline i love this song i think it's fantastic yeah it certainly brings you back into the album after mm. the last song the last after the last song is this have we hit the poor bit of the album yeah. but no nah, straight back yeah. this is bon jovi back to being bon jovi and they sure can do a power ballad and I think we talked about never mind the quiet loud. Mm. We did the quiet loud things are big. Now this isn't like loud like Nirvana loud, but it's definitely doing the quiet loud, the the soft verse, the 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 rock and chorus. And yeah, I, I'd never heard this song before. Oh, I can't remember ever hearing this song before. Doing the listens through for this, this is a song that's been stuck in my head mm. for the, the three weeks. It's yeah, definitely nice. the the wow, wild as the wind just. First listen through. Yeah. You pick up the tune, it gets stuck in your head. It's kind of lyrically almost in the Born to Be My Baby realm, like the yeah. chorus is, uh, wild as the wind takes me away from you, cold as the night without your love to see me through, wild as the wind blows my uh, blows through my heart. Really nice lyrics. One of my favorite things, as you know, is when you're at a Bon Jovi show, is to take a shot or a drink every time he says, die for you, and it, we, it features in this. <laughs> Maybe a better man would live and die for you. He's, he, it's in a lot of songs. I love it. I love it every time. Great song. It's surprising this wasn't one of the singles. Yeah, I guess you can only oh, have like so you many. Can't have it. Yeah. You can't have every song as a single. Yeah, well, but well Blood I, on yeah, Blood was, I believe, it's definitely a video single. I don't know if it was a radio single, but that was probably towards the end of the album. Let's go back to uh, 1988. Sam Shinazzi the manager of Bon Jovi. What about if we ditch Bad Medicine as a single and put this as a single? Do you think that could <laughs> – not that you could not have Bad Medicine as a single, but if it was, it was your choice, would have you done I that? I think 1988 Sam Shinazi and 2024 Sam Shinazi would have made that call, yes. But that would have been the wrong <laughs> the wrong call, much like my living on a prayer call was wrong. <laughs> I think Bad Medicine was the right move. I mean, if you look at it, like Lay Your Hands on Me, Bad Medicine, Born Me My Baby – well, there's a bunch of singles. Living in Sin was a video single because I'll Be There For You definitely was a single, which we'll get to. I'll Be There For You was the third single. Yeah, definitely. Would I have made this a single? Uh, I could have. I think at this point in time, 
if it had been the third single, for example, it would have sold no matter what. Like, yeah. you wouldn't have made it the first one, maybe not even the second. This is a better song than Living in Sin. It, it is, about. but again, it covers a different yeah. kind of bass. This is almost in, in your Born to Me My Baby kind of mid-tempo sing-along chorus kind of it's thing. It's maybe a bit same, same Bon Jovi. Mm. Yeah, I think that's, mm. uh, that's a harsh thing to say, but maybe it's but uh, definitely album worthy. too much of a good thing. Definitely album-worthy. Yeah. Also, I note it is co-written with not only Desmond Child, but Diane Warren as well. They were going for a big number here, and they got it. And maybe they thought it'd yeah. be a single. Like I know that those songwriters, they tend to get the singles, not always, but they tend to get singles on on albums. So maybe it was like next in line. If there was a sixth one or whatever, maybe it was going to be that. Yeah. But terrific song. I was just going to say the band had to push for their "Hey, Living in Sin" single. We're <laughs> going to get that out there. We feel strongly about this. We've got to reach the Catholics. <laughs> All right, let's go to Ride Cowboy Ride. All right, well, that was Ride, Cowboy Ride, an interlude, if you will, into the next song, Stick to Your Guns, which we'll get to. I quite like this. Uh, it's got the sound, I guess, what would you say, the sound effect of a vinyl record being played, hiss- lo-fi. hissing in the lo-fi. background. It's, it's lo-fi. Uh, it's just a couple of acoustics and John singing a song over it. I quite like the song. I've always liked it. Yeah. It continues his obsession with Cowboys. From the third the album, where he was wanted dead or alive, and on this album there's a lot of cowboy talk, yeah. and we know that in the year or two after this, he's going to be in a cowboy movie and make a cowboy soundtrack, which was also, well, the first yeah. CD I ever bought. Wow, yeah. there you go. Young Guns 2. No, not many people know that. My first of a CD <laughs> itself, Young Guns 2. My first album was uh, Born in the USA by bon jo- by Bruce Springsteen. Whoa, slip of the tongue. So, <laughs> Whoa. So... Maybe my first uh, from New Jersey. I don't know what my first cassette would have been. I doubt it was from New Jersey, but you never know. Anyway, enough about me. Let's talk about you. Ride Cowboy Ride. Uh, Very clever how it goes from this song into Stick to Your Guns. It repeats the lyric as well. If there's any time between songs, it's like a millisecond. It just goes straight into it. What what are your thoughts? Yeah, I sort of just considered this and Stick to Your Guns as one song really. This is like the lo-fi intro. Mm. Um, I read that apparently they recorded this on a four-track cassette in some Ooh. in uh, Richie's mother's basement. Oh, okay. And it was meant meant to be a bit of a joke, but they liked it so much that I think that – and it fits so well to stick to your guns. And I wonder if the little bit of stick to your guns that repeats the the the, uh, mm. the lyrics from this one was sort of changed to, hey, let's stick these two together. And mm. It's uh, quite a nice – and then they run into each other 
perfectly well. And yeah, like it's only a minute. It's not a. It's not worth skipping. It runs into the next song perfectly well. So yeah, it was a bit of a change of pace. A good change of pace this time. There's a couple of uh, not good change of paces on this album, but this is a good change of pace. All right, <laughs> well, let's jump into "Stick to Your Guns." All right, Walter, something you've always told me in, in my work life, stick to your guns, Shanaz. And this is a song <laughs> called Stick to Your Guns. I really like it. One of the great power ballads of theirs, and it goes into, I would imagine, their best power ballad, which we'll get to. But a song not so much about cowboys, but more just about that underdog belief, which which is throughout Bon Jovi's music. It's it's. I think it's as simple as title suggests stick to your guns i think as a young teenager or whatever you would have related to this you would have put it on when you had when you were annoyed with your parents or 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 your friends or whatever or you felt you felt a bit ostracized or whatever if you're the outsider you put this song on and and john singing just for you um great musicianship some really great drums drum fills from tico torres uh and some strong singing from john what are your thoughts it's the uh, bon jovi anthem a very catchy chorus. Actually, this is another gun song. Has every album we've done so far had at least one gun song? I think that maybe Abbey Road doesn't, but we've definitely had a definitely some gun songs going through. Uh, through I don't know if we're picking them for a reason or not. No, this is a again. This is a song I hadn't really heard before. Don't really remember hearing before. Yeah. It's 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 very. Uh, again, it's very Bon Jovi. It it's very catchy. Very easy to sing. Great to listen along to in the car. Apparently, this was influenced by Bon Jovi liking Tom Petty. Really? Which I think I can hear that. Really? Yeah, I think I can. A little bit of Tom Petty um, influence coming over this song. But yeah, as I said, it's a, you're getting towards the back end of the album now, so you need interesting songs to keep you engaged with it. This is, as I say, this is fine. Easy to sing along to. Very Bon Jovi. Good song. I think it sets you up nicely for the next song. I, I don't hear Tom Petty. I, I haven't heard Tom Petty. I'm going to go back and try and hear it because that interests me greatly and it makes complete sense. Okay. John John is a very open-minded music fan. Like He has spoken about all sorts of music and songwriters and artists and he's very supportive of artists around the world. I can see him at that time trying to break out as well. Like I think this album is very much trying to break out of the Bon Jovi stereotype. And you see it yep. on the albums in the 90s. He really, they just turned into a bit of a rock and roll band rather than hard rock or whatever else, soft yeah. metal, whatever you want to call it. They, they a bit like Pearl Jam with grunge, they just step away and they just become yeah. great American rock bands, which is what Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers are and were. So I could definitely yep. understand that. Uh, but we're in power ballad territory, and if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> this is the one to end all of them. This is, again, for me, along with Blood on Blood, 
I think it's one of the great songs you'll hear, let alone by this band. And we'll talk about it after we hear a bit of it. This is I'll Be There For You. All right, well, that was I'll Be There For You, and I know at least one of the two shows we've seen, maybe both, I was on your shoulder crying tears of joy <laughs> when they played this song. Interestingly enough, and there's quite a few uh, videos around, I think at some point, I know at some point, Richie Sambora started singing this song as the lead vocalist, and Wow, That was, I don't think, for any particular vocal reason for John, which we'll talk about in a little while, but I think it was just a part of the show where he could have a rest, have a costume change, whatever, and Richie really nails this song as well. I'm not saying it's as good as the recording of what John does, but if you go watch yeah. some of Richie's versions, they're they're pretty spot on in his own style. Like He's got a very different style of singing, but... He, he can nail it on his own. It's just a slightly more bluesy kind of style way of singing it. Yeah. Whoever's singing it, it's it's an amazing power ballad. And I was interested to see, surprised to see they didn't have any help on this one. It was just Richie and John writing this yeah. song. It's they're all theirs. Uh, great power ballad. It goes for like five and a half minutes. So back then you could have these singles that if they were good enough, you could have them on the radio for that long. It's a song about, being apart from the one you love, but letting him know that you're going to be there for them forever. And it's some amazing, I think, lyrics that on the written document, they don't look amazing, but when you hear them, like the way that he sings it, you know, I'll be the water when you get thirsty, when you get drunk, I'll be the wine. Like, okay, it's a bit corny, but when you hear him sing it, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Same uh, melody, didn't mean to miss your birthday. I wish I'd seen you blow those candles out. It's like, well, uh, <laughs> like if I wrote those lyrics and my band heard that, they'd be like, ah. Uh. But the way they sing it is just killer, absolutely killer. Yeah. For me, being a, I would say a former drummer, you're always a drummer, but I grew up playing the drums. This was instrumental to me as far as the drums go. Like the drum feels are unbelievable. I know I've pointed that out to you while at work and at the shows. Yep. Like the drum, the drum feels in this song are unbelievable. So go listen to those if for nothing else. But a great song. Uh, what are your thoughts? Apparently, this was originally offered to Cher. Yeah, and so yeah, but she said it sounds too much like Bon Jovi. It does sound too much like Bon Jovi. <laughs> this is the this this is the most streamed song of off this album, right? On uh, on Spotify, it's nowhere near "Living on a Prayer," but it's the the most streamed song off this album. Uh, yeah, this is again, this is classic Bon Jovi. So, if you had to pick five Bon Jovi songs to play for somebody, this would be in the five. 
I'm pretty sure. Yeah. About this is a, this is what Bon Jovi sound like. This is what they're all about. Again, do, doing research for this album, I read a few things that uh, critics love to say albums are safe. Now, I think that's very unfair for bands when critics say, hey, this album's safe. Are you just pandering to your fan base? Well, what else are you meant to do? Like, you have a sound. Mm. Your fans like that sound. It's very difficult to go, hey, you know, I'm going to play a completely different sound for my next album. Like, you you end up doing songs, I guess, that sort of sound alike. Now, this song does sound, it's very alike to the last song. Yeah. I think you could sing the two choruses of them interchangeably and you wouldn't really notice. But it's better. What you were doing. Maybe one's, this is a better song than the last song, definitely. Better better lyrics. Stick to your guns. Okay. Stick to your guns. Yeah, it's not bad. I'll be there for you. Oh. Yeah, good song. Yeah, it's like, wow, this is this is an amazing song. But I guess if you're going to criticise, aside from the couple of bad, well, what I would call bad songs on this album, mm. maybe the criticism is that there is a little bit same, same Bon Jovi, but I, that doesn't bother me. I like the Bon Jovi sound. I like when they do songs like this. This is a great song. Don't forget, from a singles point of view, so say you're just at the time watching MTV, listening to the radio, whatever, the only real ballad you would have heard and correct me if i'm wrong would have been wanted dead or alive and never say goodbye maybe so it's not like yeah it's not like i'll be there for you was like the 20th ballad they release as a single i don't think it's a fair criticism to say that okay yes you could do a safe album and maybe we'll talk about weezer's green album at some stage that was the safe now that's album. the second time you've mentioned weezer that's it two weezer's that's it i get three don't no, i today you, you get three per <laughs> that's a safe album this is yeah i this album i don't think is safe because there's a couple of very unsafe things that they did that maybe didn't work i don't have an issue with a band sounding like what they sound like i think that's fine and yeah this is a great song bon jovi doing a ballad great lyrics as i said great delivery this is yeah this is a eight and a half nine out of ten song any day of the week we're gonna press on 99 in the shade All right, Walter, that was 99 in the shade. Second last song on the album. Uh, when we talked about there being two songs that we didn't really like, this was my second one. It was yours too. I think it's better than Homebound Train. It just doesn't connect with me, really. We've had Bon Jovi does Bruce. We've had Bon Jovi does the Chili Peppers. This is Bon Jovi does Van Halen. Yeah, right. It's definitely that that guitar tone is Van Halen. Mm. If that's if you chuck David Lee Roth on this song, belting it out, it just sound like a Van Halen song. Yeah, it's a, it's not as bad as the other one. Very Bon Jovi album one two. The old man Chevrolet and the is the party in your pocket a cocaine reference or a. Uh, downstairs reference. It's one of those two, maybe both. Yeah. I, I did think of the downstairs <laughs> uh, meatloaf reference, but I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, this is a very Song 11 on a 12 song album. Let's give you a little bit of uh, love for sale. When I out this morning, I rolled out of bed. I felt like a star who kicked in the head. 
check out my mail that was later the way to say love for sale, love for sale. I picked up the phone, everyone I could. I put my finger to the walker to the telephone book. You can't get your fish if you ain't got the hook. I said, love for sale, love for sale. Well, sell up a signal, throw me a line. Someone is paying this money, Valentine. It might not be legal, but it's sure ain't a crime. They don't want to from crazy, being too step behind. Right, well, that was the last song on the album, Love for Sale, and a very stripped back, lo-fi, I think, attempt at something that's something between, I don't know, Elvis and country music, I guess. <laughs> the thing for me that doesn't sell it is the performance where John, you know, John's sort of laughing a bit over the vocal. It's a very live recording. So I get, I understand yeah, yeah. it's warts and all, but... It just sounds a little bit throwaway given the fact of the way they're performing it. I think if they'd done that stripped back still, but if they just played the heck out of it, more listenable, more enjoyable, uh, it is just an interesting way to finish the album. I think they were just trying to probably, again, break the mold a little bit. This is the one that yeah. is documented on – they did like a long-form at the time video, you know, VCR release, which is online – uh, on YouTube, it's uh, I don't know what it's called. It's like New Jersey tour. It's like an hour and a half doco them touring the world. It's really cool. Yeah, there's like maybe five ten minutes of them in Australia. They're at Triple M. They play this, and it sounds exactly the same. And so that's the vibe they're going yeah. for. We, you and I off the mic were talking about the fact they talk about cowboys so much, and is that a way of them having a shot at the country music audience? Which which ultimately they'd hold the record a whole album of that in 2010 yeah. when we saw them. I don't know if that's what's happening, but it, it is. I mean, I couldn't hear Motley Crue doing this. I couldn't hear Van Halen doing this. Like, it's them saying, look, we're a no. bit versatile. Maybe this is how the songs start out. Richie and I playing acoustics and we muck around like this. And, oh, that'd be kind of fun to finish the record with. Uh, it's fine. I think you're going to drop a bombshell, which we all agree with. The song's fine. Uh, just a couple of questions is... One, did the album need to finish with this song? And two, I guess, does it really need to be on this album at all? It sounds so different to the other songs. Uh, I guess lyrically it's got a bit of a vibe with the others, but, yeah, it's just the gr not grating, but just so different. It's like, whoa, was this the – when I was listening the first time through on Spotify, it's like, you know when you finish an album and it just randomly picks another song for you to listen to? It's like that. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa is this the last song on the, the album? The other thing that might surprise people listening to it on – a streaming service is that there are a bunch of bonus tracks and reissue versions. So if you listen to that kind of version of the album, you'd go, Oh, this is the demo part or this is the live part. It's a bonus track. Yeah, yeah. but it's not. Yeah. I don't have a problem with it, but I, I think that if they'd finished with I'll Be There for You, the album would have been so much stronger and more not not memorable, because I I this is one of my favorite albums, but I think it would make it in the general mainstream population thought on the album I, I think that it would have helped a little bit like i don't think people are sitting around like us going oh i can't believe they didn't do it it's more like a topical thing where yeah in hindsight two of the weaker songs probably shouldn't have finished the album and also you've got a song called i'll be there for you it's one of their best songs you know we've already said what it's about but it's it's got a resolution to it i'll be there for you this you know this is this is the end as in like the end of the album i'll be there for you Let's go to the movies or whatever. So I agree with you completely. It should have finished there. And you could have had these as your bonus tracks or whatever. Reading about this album, we said at the top, like they did it straight off the back. Mm. 
of Slippery When Wet. They were probably, I don't know if it's something to do with being tired from the tour, but they went straight into this. Yes. It was a lot of production. I think the production nearly killed them. I read that they'd written something like 34 songs for a double album. Yeah. It was going to be called Sun, Sons of Beaches yeah. or something was the initial <laughs> Terrible. title for the album. Terrible. This is a really good album. I think if you if you cut the 12 songs down to 10, mm. And you put I'll Be There For You as the last song. Mm. Now, this isn't a hypothetical. I actually did it. I made a playlist to see. <laughs> did a 10-song playlist. So I think, as you say, if you put this as a bonus track, you get rid of the Homebound Train and you can, okay, you can yeah. stick 99 in the shade where Homebound Train is for the different song. You have 10 songs and finish on I'll Be There For You. This is an amazing album. It just goes from really good to like, wow, this is a – and like you say, you get this 99 in the shade and then Love for Sale. It's like, oh, man, that really petered out. Yeah. It was like, had such a high, it I'll be there for you. And I don't know, who does the sequencing on an album? Like, is, is that a, a job, a sequencer? Like, I don't. It's not a job. Like, the at this point in time, the band have a major the say. The producer does that? Well, no, the band have a major say. But it, and for people listening who don't know, I play music on the side and I've released albums. And it's a thing where people who can get involved, they do. So, like, you know, I'll have. The, the the artist, the songwriter, the band will have an idea in their head and then the yeah. record label person will go, this is what you should do. The producer, mixer doesn't really get involved unless you ask them. Okay. Um, yeah. But then, you know, if you've got a manager, if you've got a publicist, a booker, they all kind of might have their say. It would come down to the band and the label primarily. Someone dropped the ball somewhere is all I'm saying. This is a – I mean, they've obviously made millions of dollars from this album. It's a sold 12 million copies or something. People widely regarded as Bon Jovi's best album. I think you probably do. Mm. I don't know. I just think, yeah, you drop two songs, move it around a bit, all of a sudden it goes from like this is a eight and a half, nine out of ten album, bang, t- ten song, ten out of ten album, no doubt about I it. I think that – Slippery and Wet sold so many records and it did so much better than they probably all thought uh, because yeah. it did, like like even if at their wildest expectations, okay, we want to sell this amount and we want to be able to make another one and make some money. Like it was 40 yeah. times as big as that. Like it was crazy. So I think at that point, John has a lot of sway and he sort of says that at yeah. this time about a lot of decisions. So I get a feeling without knowing that John may have said, no, we're keeping those two. They're going to come last after I'll be there for you. Uh, we're keeping the song yeah. in the middle. I, I think it would have been completely up to them. The label kind of would have gone, well, okay. If it, if it, go, <laughs> if it doesn't work out, let us do the next one. Because that when you sell that many records, like I mean, they followed it up. Like New Jersey's a brilliant follow-up. Like it ticked every box. It sold, I don't think as well, but it was still – sold crazy and they toured the world and it really set them up. Yeah. But they were at the point where they were able to say, hey, record executive, you make millions, but we make millions for you. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, like this song, it's going on. Yeah, I think they're at that point in their career. I know they're at that point in their career already where they just, they, they could do what they want pretty much. Uh, what are your thoughts on listening to this world for the first time? So, so you said it was a, a pretty good record? What were your words? Like a very good record. No doubt about it. Definitely enjoyed listening to it. There's maybe a couple of skips. As I said, once I made my playlist of the 10 songs, happy to just belt that out yep. over and over again. It's, uh, yeah, it's really good. Thank you for uh, offering it up. Yeah. I, I probably would have never listened to it otherwise. It was uh, really enjoyable. Really liked it. What's your top three? 
I'll give you my top three. My top three, in no particular order, are Born to Be My Baby, Blood on Blood, and I'll Be There for You. I'm going to go Wild as the Wind, Mm. I'll Be There for You, Mm -hmm. Born to Be My Baby. I just, I don't know why. I I really like Born to Be My Baby. Oh, it's great. And yeah, I I know you you really love Blood on Blood. That's a good song. Just, yeah, it's (laughs) not... It's it's not really my vibe. <laughs> I think that's fair enough to say. But yeah, we fair. kind of agree on what we'd leave off. We've already documented that. So. <laughs> and if it had to be three, you'd say Homebound Train, Nine on the Shade, Love for Sale. If it had to be one, you'd say Homebound Train. If it had to be two, you'd homebound probably train. go Homebound Train and Nine on the Shade. If you've never heard the album and you, you listen to this pod and you listen long at home, listen to it all the way through the first time. But yeah. I'd if you do like Homebound Train, it hit us up on the uh, socials and yeah. tell us why. I think that's... It's not a bad uh, run when you go, there's one really bad song. Like, that's not the worst thing in the world. The problem is it's right in the middle of the record. Yeah, it's like, bang, where, where did this come from? Anyway, love to love to hear your thought. Convince me I'm that guy, you know, that meme with the guy that says, uh, this is a terrible song, convince me otherwise. <laughs> this is a... I'm putting myself on that meme. Let's hear it. All right. Before we go, you and I saw Bon Jovi for the first time for both of us. Uh, I think it was around yep. 2010 at your beloved yep. Sydney football stadium, home of the Waratahs. Uh, we had a good time. We had floor seats. What do you think in your head? Were we like 20, 30, 40 rows back? Like how far? It wasn't that bad. They were good seats. I'll I'll find some photos. I've got some photos of it that we can see where we were. Yeah, we were we were close enough that you could pick everybody out perfectly on the stage. It was. I think we were like it about twenty five. Uh, like they were good. A good seat. A great show too. He made Bon Jovi made it rain. I'm still sticking to this belief that I've always had. If you can can view where they were on that tour, uh, when he pops up and he does a song in the crowd, we were like right there. He was right near us, like a couple yeah. of feet away or whatever. Yeah. And he made it rain. And he said, "What did he sing? The Lennon Coward version of Hallelujah." Hallelujah, yeah. yeah. And it was uh, he just when he got to the. It had been pretty crappy weather all day, but the rain had held off. And he came out. He was had they put the stage like goes right out into the crowd. He was out the front, in surrounded by the crowd. And no word of a lie, just as he hit the last Hallelujah, <laughs> stuck his hands out. It rained. It was unbelievable. <laughs> it was like they had turned on the. Hey, let's turn on the, the sprinklers. This will be cool. It wasn't the sprinklers. It actually rained when he did it. It it was unbelievable. Almost a religious experience. It was. We saw him with Richie Sambora. Uh, it was fantastic. I'm gonna while we type, just look up the set list. Richie Sambora. So we saw him once with and once without. And the difference. Yeah. I mean, the guy that's in the band now and who we saw the second time, he's phenomenal. No one's going to doubt that. But he's not Richie Sambora. So I was A, honored to see them as, well, not the original lineup, but four of the five guys. Yeah. But Richie plays such a part. The first time we saw him in 2010 was an absolutely amazing show. Find the set list because, yeah, it was. I can't remember what it kicked off with. It was like, what was it? Everyone was clapping and he was, it was the middle night and it was the night they didn't play. What was the song? What was the song I wanted him to play? And they didn't play it and they played it the night before. Oh, yeah, that song you love. Yeah, I remember that. (laughs) (laughs) It's in these arms is what they didn't play. Yeah. They played it the night before and they played it the night after. Okay, well, that might be this. I was very disappointed. That might be this night. So they start with Raise Your Hands and go into- Raise Your Hands. Oh, it's a great start. Into You Give Love a Bad Name, into Born to Be My Baby. So that's a pretty good start. They did do Blaze of Glory. Which you said was very 
controversial? Uh, yeah, I would have said that. You know, they did a solo song, didn't they? I think they did one of his solo That's songs. That's it, Blazer Glow. Yeah. You were telling me it was very con- yeah, yeah. very controversial. Uh, so <laughs> they did Lay Your Hands on Me, but it's interestingly enough, they've got um, Richie singing it, which I don't remember. I kind of remember that. When you were talking about it before, mm. I was thinking, I think Richie sang it when we were yeah, there. Yeah, right. Uh, finished with These Days, which I absolutely love. Encore was yep. uh, Dry County, which I think was a song at the time. And then Wanted Dead or Alive, Living on a Prayer, which is pretty good. It's a good night, really good night. Yeah. All the band were in fine form. And then we saw them. It was my last time at the Sydney Entertainment Centre, I want to say. I reckon yep. the year was 2013. Let's have a look. Did they not do a stadium show and we didn't go, then they did this small show? That's what they would have done, right? Maybe, yeah. Because they weren't doing entertainment centres. And this was it because it was Christmas. Here we go. Yes, it was Christmas. So December 15, 2013, you and I and I think Dean Robb went to a show. So both times we've seen Bon Jovi, he's been in a year, Roosters made the grand final show. So if he tours again. (laughs) Yeah, the match notes. Uh, A lot of good songs. They did the famous version of Runaway where he counts it down year by year, which is a really cool thing if you want to look that up on video. A lot of hits. He did Hallelujah. They did Blood on Blood, which was very exciting for me. Born My Baby was song 18. The encore was I'll Be There For You. And the first encore was I'll Be There For You, Run, Rudolph, Run. And War Is Over. That's right. Saying Christmas Carol. That's right. Yes, yes. That's right. And they finished the second encore was These Days and Always, which is unbelievable. Now, the reason this show is tainted a little bit. We're addressing the elephant in the room. Yeah, I don't want to bum anyone out because we had a good night. It was a good night. It's the smallest place we've seen him play. But yeah. uh, John's vocals were not particularly strong that night. And we, we noticed it and we're like, oh, yeah, okay, it's a bummer. It, it didn't ruin the show, but it was very noticeable he was struggling. Great showman. Yeah, great showman. Great. And it was the last yeah. show of their world tour. So we were like, oh, okay, he's done. He'll go have a rest. But then – you and I noticed in the years to follow that that's kind of where his voice was at. And he, he seems yeah. to have lost a lot of, I guess, power and strength in his vocal ability. Now, before we talk about that, while fast forward to just this week gone by, and as I said at the start of the show, he was honoured with a Music Cares Award. It's a massive deal. He does a lot for charity, like him and his charity, his wife's involved. They build houses for the poor. They've got a couple of restaurants, I think, in, I don't know, they might be in like Chicago. It's not, I don't know if it's in New Jersey or not, but a couple of restaurants that feeds, predominantly feeds the homeless. Like he does all this stuff and like he's been doing it for a while. It's not just some sort of like hobby for him. He's really serious about it. He employs people, he feeds people. Uh, and he did some songs uh, the other night or the Bon Jovi did, I should say, and they have guests come up and do their own version. So Bruce did a, a song. Everyone, all these people did do songs, amazing artists do songs. And John finished the night, and he actually sounded a lot better than what you and I have heard him in recent times. So I don't know if he's had some, okay. some work done or, or surgery or whatever. Still wasn't amazing, but it wasn't how you and I remember seeing him in December of 2013. So... TBC on that, yeah. but it is a known fact that unfortunately, and we're not making light, not making fun, it's just one of those things, his voice is not what it used to be. And unfortunately for a singer like him, 
when you're doing those big anthems, if your voice isn't what it used to be, it's going to be noticeable. Very high register too, yeah. Like a lot of their songs are very high. Other singers get away with it every day of the week. Elton John. Yeah, like lots of like it's just an aging thing. Paul McCartney, like we saw him, and Paul McCartney's still amazing, but his vocal ability would be at what probably sixty five percent. He can hold the tune, but he has no power whatsoever in his. Voice. And it's still and it's still the, like the greatest night of your life. So he gets away with it. Whereas yeah. with John, you and I are like, uh, I don't know, man. Like you know. The problem was he finished with Always, and it's like yeah. literally the hardest song to sing in the world. It was hard work, yeah. It was yeah. hard work for him, hard work. It was, as I said, it was still a great show. Yeah. We enjoyed that one, 2010, never forget 2010. Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. And it just, yeah. It, I mean, if you haven't got to see him live, it's probably a little bit too late. to. And it'd still be a great show. I've got no doubt about it. I'm sure he still sells shows out whenever he does one. Like, he definitely put on a hell of a show. And I think they're perfectly aware of it too. And they have backing singers. I'm not going to suggest there's backing tapes or anything, but they'd have – yeah, there's like a lot of singers on stage who can back him up. So, And the crowd obviously sings along, which is amazing as well. So it's not the end of the world. But if you're a purist, if if you're a musician maybe, you might notice it a little bit. But as you say, it's not. I would still recommend going to see them. I'd do your research. I'd look up latest concert and see what you think, and and go from there. Yeah. Well, great talking to you about one of my favorite albums. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I don't think we should make the call right now about what we're going to do next, unless you want to. But it's your choice of album, so it's in your hands. I might not make the call. I, yeah, I want to uh, run it by you first, but it uh, well, might be by a band from California. I'm going to California. Yeah. It might be by a band that's uh, from California. We'll see how we go. A band you really, really like? Uh, yeah. That you're not allowed to mention? Uh, well, it could be one of those, or it could be another band that I really, really like from California. Oh. Very much so from California. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Like from, so, is it like the SoCal vibe? Orange County oh, type. Uh, that's controversial. <laughs> but if you want to do it, <laughs> all right, let's just say it. Go ahead. Let's do it. If you want to do I'll it, I'll let you listen it. to it first. No, 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 no. If you want to do it. I'd like to do Smash by the Offspring. That's what we're going to do. We're going to venture okay. out of our hard rock phase and into the, the 90s, in inverted commas, punk phase. Yeah, inverted commas, punk, definitely. So listeners, study up on that album and you can join us and it'll almost be a a listen along not a watch along but a listen along but it sounds good well i know you're a big fan and i'm i'm happy to do that for you not for many others but for you i will very good my closing thought sorry for a one-hit wonder band this wasn't too bad an album (laughs) whoa i'll just remove the knife from my back hey i said it man and i and i have to live with it you know how do you think I feel? How do you think I feel? I'm at the show paying hundreds of bucks to see this guy sing, and I'm like, oh, man, I thought you were going to be a one-hit wonder. <laughs> to be fair, at the time, it was the, what was it, mid to late 80s. There was a lot of there was a lot of one-hit wonders back then, like much more than now. I didn't rate Michael Jackson. So oh, I- there you go. Hey, <laughs> we do need to talk about that another time. But we do yes, recommend, yes. we recommend everyone, if you have – Netflix, if you don't have it, borrow someone's details. Please watch the USA for Africa documentary. I believe it's called The Greatest Night in Pop. Greatest Night in Pop. Yeah. It is unbelievable. Amazing. Amazing. Unbelievable. I've watched Amazing. it twice now. Well, I watched it back and it's just as good the second time. But if you like music at all, 
you need to watch this documentary. It's unbelievable. And we'll, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, thanks for everyone for listening in. Thanks for people who follow us on the socials. If you don't, just go look us up, Album Adventures with Wally and Shanaz. I think we're sticking to the Insta for now. Insta, yeah. We're on all the podcast apps you can think of, I would imagine. And, uh, yeah, we'll do this again as soon as we can. And we're going to bring you some SoCal sound. Uh, Wally, thanks for being such a great co-host, and we will be back as soon as we can. Thanks for listening. Woohoo! I die for you. Na 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 na.